Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. Wow. Think we've been in church? Oh, man. I tell you, it's so good to be in his presence, sing out in his presence. Yeah. And Caleb, when you started singing, that was a Holy Spirit drop the mic moment. Thank you. I know a lot of times that, you know, the enemy is, he's an ugly dude. He's out there trying to keep us from accomplishing the things and that God has called us to do and ordained us to do. And he's always trying to do things, isn't he? I love it when people just like, you know what, I'm breaking through whatever that is, and I'm going to do what God's called me to do no matter what. You know, you think, oh, that person, they just have it all together because they're up leading worship or whatever it is. You don't know their life (laughs) behind the scenes and how much the enemy loves to try to bring attack to people, and we're all in that place. This morning, a couple things I want to do this morning But in a moment, we'll get into the crux of my message. The title is Faith in Trying Times. So we're going to get into that. Before I do that, I want to just share a few things on my heart in regards to kind of what's going on around us and uh, knowing that it's National Suicide Prevention Month, the month of September is. And uh, this is something that for me is in the sense it's meaningful to me for many reasons, but as a pastor over the years of seeing this and as a chaplain uh, over the last few years, I've been unfortunately very close and seen firsthand suicide and the effects of suicide, and I see it way too much. And it's something that I pray about constantly and asking the Lord, God, there's answers to this because we know this is never anyone's intention to ever do that. But the enemy is so sly and he has the little tricks and everything that he can try to come in at moments notice in our life. But I just believe that God still, he has a plan for every person, every life. And we have to be those that say, no, Satan, this is not your territory. You're not allowed here. You're, You're outside your lane. This is the lane that God has created us to live life and live abundant life. And so we have to put our foot down and say, Satan, no, you're not going to win. And so that's always my prayer in these situations. There, there's an average of 123 suicides every day in the United States. So it, it's consistently happening. You would not know, even in our own community in Thurston County, there's a lot. It doesn't make the news in most cases, but there's a lot of it. It's way too much of it. And it's the second leading cause of death in 25 to 34-year-olds which is a young age, and the enemy loves to go after the younger age. I'm seeing that a lot more now, and a lot more, a lot younger into the teens, uh, and even younger that are taking their own life. I was just reminded again of this tragedy this week in reading that another pastor took his life this last Monday. Young, 30-year-old pastor in California who was part of a pastor with Greg Laurie. Many probably know who he is. With Harvest Christian Fellowship, if if you follow that, it's a pretty large organization. A young 30-year-old married with kids and just wasn't able to cope with the pressures and the, the things that caused him to go through depression, anxiety, those kinds of things. And so mental health, it's a real issue. And it's something that we need to really make sure we're taking a close look at and doing everything we can to help in that area. 
Of course, this young man, this was the, at least the third one that is a prominent pastor in, in the nation this year. Earlier in the year, there was the Andrew Stecklin, I believe was his name, down in California, 30 years old. Young family, took his life. Actually, the pastor I was just referring to, Jared Wilson, had just done a funeral for a woman that committed suicide that day. And that night, he took his life. It's just the enemy is really trying to be destructive. Another pastor, Jim Howard, just recently from Real Life Church, California, took his life. There's a lot of battles that are going on in, in the minds of many people. And it's a hard challenge to deal with. Certainly, it's more than just pastors, but I can tell you the stress of pastoring, the things that they go through definitely can cause depression, anxiety, and can cause a lot of stress. I understand that. And there's such a great need out there. And I, I want to do my best as a pastor to really promote and talking with other pastors and people who are in areas that I know that they have extra stress in their life is the undoubted fact that when we can surround ourselves with people who are praying, I'm saying this out of experience, people who are praying for us as pastors, intercessors, those that give a lot of time devoted to, because I, I can say for myself, I don't know where I would be if it wasn't for those that I surround myself with, my wife and I, both, the praying and the interceding, and it's such a huge difference. And so thank you, Holmbergs and Cindy and, and others and my parents and others that I know that do pray for us. And it's an awesome thing, and we appreciate it so much. The uh, first responders, of course, which I've been one for a few years and understand that. In fact, earlier this year, there was a, a first responder, a firefighter, who I actually went on a call with, this firefighter and some others, on a suicide here a while back. And this firefighter here in Lacey actually took her life in the same manner as she went to assist in a suicide. And so I don't know all of the things about all this, and I know it's very complex and complicated. The human brain is very complex. But I do know that this is real, and it's going on, and it's something we need to pay attention to. I'm not asking people to jump in and say, hey, Pastor, I, I'm all in on this. But there are some people who God's tapping you on your shoulder and saying, you need to be a part of this. You need to pay attention because this is something that's not getting better. It's getting worse. And I tell you, as believers, yeah, we still go through stuff as believers. And we'll get into that. But one thing we have is we have a hope in Jesus in the midst of all of it, no matter what, that we know that we can believe in God and believe that he's there with us. I believe it. It's so often people with mental health issues get treated as if they have a plague or something. And I see that, and I think people are just like standoffish, like, oh, I don't want to get around that person. They got issues. And I think that that's bad. <laughs> We're doing a disservice. And I understand in some reason why maybe people would think because they don't know what to do. And I get it. I understand that. And I, I grew up with an uncle who dealt with a lot of mental health issues, and sometimes it was a challenge. But I learned a lot of things in that and began to study and figure out how can I engage with these people? How can I pray for them? How can I, at least from my limited knowledge and ability, be involved in their life in some positive way? Uh, there are professionals that are in this field, and thank the Lord for that, because they're much needed. I think even I've heard that people say, well, they're just demon-possessed. I'm like, whoa, time out here. <laughs> you know, we know the enemies at work and, and different things, but we can't just jump out and say these things. You know, the easiest seat 
to judge negatively from is the seed of no experience. <laughs> if you haven't been touched with this in your life, it's easy to sit and judge about somebody else and they just need to suck it up. They just need to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. What are they doing? I mean, why don't they just read the word and do what the word says? You know what? There's a lot of great scriptures in the word and we do that. But sometimes there needs to be something else added to that. And so we need to understand this. I know in my own experience with my wife, and she's mentioned this and I've alluded to it a few times in the past, but we walk through where my wife went through clinical depression for five years and dealt with all of these things and not understanding it. And as people of faith and believe in God and how in the world could somebody who's a Christian have this? That was my wife's, she's like, I'm a Christian. I can't be depressed. Well, the reality is Christians can be depressed. But again, there's answers when, you know, God has answers and it's found in his word and in other people and in, in professional help and all these things and us working together and supporting each other in this process need to be encouraging each other and lifting each other up. One of the cool things, and I, and I got permission to share this this morning. Lauren Patterson's not here today because we had texted this morning. But God has really stirred upon Lauren and upon Marcus, back here, Marcus Freeman, to start something that's really cool. And it's called the Iron Hands Project, and I'll just briefly mention it because we'll get way more into that another time. But because of the gifts and skills and experiences between these two men, uh, Lauren, an amazing blacksmith, and can do anything with metal and make stuff and do really cool stuff. Between his skill set and Marcus's experience of being in the military firsthand, seeing a lot of people die in front of him, people he's he serves with on a daily basis, being overseas and in battle and war and as a medic of dealing with this stuff, and it, it can mess you up. <laughs> it can mess you up. And Marcus has been through these things, and thank God for, for the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. But, you know, Marcus is here today by faith in the sense of, man, where could those roads have led Marcus? Someday you, I'll let him tell his testimony, but... But he's an incredible man of God who believes in the power of God. But there's things that go on in his mind and in his life that are like mind-boggling as to the average person that has no clue. And we walk in and out of this place on Sundays not having a clue, the person next to us, what they've been through in life. And we wonder why, like, why did they act weird? Or why did they, you know, kind of look at me funny? Or, they, or when I was talking to them, they weren't looking at me. They were looking everywhere else. Well, there's things that come in our life that create these patterns of things so we must give room for each other in this process and be praying and encouraging to each other i could ask for hands and i won't right now of people in this room that have gone through any kind of depression or anxiety or fear or stress and i'm sure just probably every hand would go up so we're all there and some it affects a little more than others because of the whatever the depth of that happening to them is going to affect them and I stand here today, and I just feel like I'm not worthy to stand before you as a pastor to talk about these things in a sense, but yet I feel it's important. You know, I know this is on my heart dearly, and I'm not asking you to make it heavy on your heart or party, but just enough for you to grab a hold and say, hey, we're praying together. We're committed to each other. This um, chain reaction stuff that's starting and, and the things is we're doing this together. We're unified in this thing together. We've got each other's back. Yes, a house of mercy, which was brought up. I mean, that's, that's got to be what we're about. The grace, the things that 
that is necessary to help each other through challenges. Are you okay with me sharing things like this sometimes? Because I just feel like as a pastor, this is, this is life. This is the life we're in. And this is also part of what God's called me to be a part of as a pastor too in the community. And I've taken that and saying, yes, Lord, it's not easy. And thank you for your prayers in that. But I tell you, there's so many opportunities. And that's why I'm thinking about when Jeff was talking about this chain reaction thing. For me, when I'm out there, I think, man, Lord, I'm looking forward to this opportunity to see being led by the Holy Spirit, what can happen? Because I'm around a lot of people who, who are hurting and going through a lot of pain. And we all have either had that or we're going to have it in our life. And so we need to be there for each other. Before I jump into the scripture this morning, I do want to read a prayer from Reinhold Nybuer. And this is, we've probably a lot of us, many have heard the first part of it. I just want to read it. But I thought it was really good and fitting. It says this, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace. Taking, as he did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. We're just kind of going through this life here on earth as a journey towards something very incredible. And that's the exciting thing. Lord, I just pray as just the next few minutes we spend looking at a couple of verses in your word about our faith in trying times. Lord, I just pray that we would leave this place not discouraged but encouraged. Lord, an incredible time of worship this morning, and Lord, being able to look into your word and being able to talk about things and not feel like it's like bad to talk about or off limits or whatever, God, but you're stirring something fresh in each one of us. And Lord, I thank you for those who are here today because you have a great plan and a great purpose. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Jump into James chapter one, and I'm gonna run through this fairly quickly. Again, thank you, Tony, by the way, for being uh, last week for, for what you shared and was very timely and very good and stirring. And you spoke from not only a uh, heart of, of a leader and somebody who loves Jesus with all your heart, but you also spoke out of the heart of a pastor and a shepherd, and we received that very much, so thank you. James chapter 1, starting verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. And it's hard to read that scripture because, of course, when we, we don't associate trouble with joy. It just doesn't happen. Now, troubles, which in definition that I have here, trials or distresses of any kind, which test and purify the Christian character. And this can happen in our lives. And you notice the word when. It doesn't say if, it says when. So that's just the fact. That's the fact, Jack. The troubles are coming. They've been there. They're coming. So how do we work through that? The New King James Version says, uh, when you fall into various trials, and then the Message Bible says, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. So it's the stuff, you can't control these things for the most part. Some of them you can create your own problems, I get that. And, and, but there's things that you just walk into, or things that just come at you. And you just, you have to embrace saying, okay God, we're on this journey, and thank you for being with me. Here we go. 
Because we can do everything we can to try to do, avoid it, get out of it, call time out, hit the easy button, all those things we can do. We just, there's a purpose when we just say, okay, Lord, where are we going? So there's faith involved here. So we see this in verse 3. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Tony, last week, Tony talked about endurance. And we can't look at that always as a negative light because endurance is something that helps us become better. So endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. We're in that perfecting process. But we have to allow this to happen in our life and have to say, okay, God, by faith, I'm embracing this and I'm going to allow it to build up my endurance so that I can become what you say, perfect and complete, needing nothing. That day will come and that's going to be an exciting day. So here's a question. How would you know if you could or couldn't, which you probably already know you can't, but if you could run a four minute mile? How would you know? You would have to test yourself to see if you could do it, right? And you would quickly find, and I would say the majority of us in this room can't run a four-minute mile. Somebody in here could, maybe. But you would quickly find out that you probably won't have the endurance to do it. I remember when I first started running, this is an interesting thing, I ran track in junior high school, and I got put on the 400-yard dash team. I didn't realize till later, we had some really fast kids in the school. And I was fairly fast as a runner, but I wasn't fast enough to be on the 100-yard team because three other guys could beat me. So, and why would I want that? So they said, hey, Steve, why don't you run the, four, the 440? I guess it's 440 yards. Now it's 400 meters. Why don't you run the 440? I thought, no big deal. Okay, yeah, sure. Well, I went to our first, <laughs> our first meet, and I wasn't. I didn't have enough knowledge to understand that you have to go out and really train for this. You know, as a 13-year-old kid or whatever, you just think, I'm just going to go out there and kill this thing. And so when we were at track practice or whatever, and I'm out there and I think, this is going to be easy. And I started off sprinting as fast as I could go. And I tell you what, <laughs> my endurance wasn't what I thought it was. And I got toward the end and I was slowing down and people were passing me. And I was way ahead of them. For a long ways. And I realized that that strategy <laughs> doesn't work. Unless you really prepare, prepare, and run, and run. And eventually it can become a sprint. Because it is for those who, who do it. But it wasn't then. And I couldn't. My endurance wasn't there. So I hadn't been perfected and completed <laughs> that yet. But that's how you, that's how you found it, find out in life. If you're able to do something or not. Is you get tested. And you find out what your endurance is. But the cool thing is, is you discover these things enough to know, okay, next time I need to do this. Next time my preparation needs to be this. And then you can do more. You can go farther. You can go deeper in that issue. Maybe the first time that problem that came up in your life just chewed you up and spit you out. Next time you're going, okay, I'm going to learn a little bit. That's coming. I recognize it's coming. And then you're able to do some things, including diving into the word and find out what God says about this. And then wise counsel, all these things. So we get that. Let's jump into Romans chapter 5 for a second. Romans chapter 5. I'm going to read the first five verses. Therefore, since we have been made right with God in God's sight by faith, because we all had faith when we got saved, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Undeserved privilege. 
We don't deserve it. Undeserved praise. Where we stand, we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. There's something that is out there that we have to have the confidence and the joy and the excitement. Like, we're going for that. That's the goal I'm going for. Just like uh, I remember when I ran a marathon, which I trained heavily for and and completed it. (laughs) And my parents were so, so cool. They got in their car and they drove to every two and a half miles or whatever it was, pit stop thing. And they were there in their lawn chairs waiting for me as I'm running by, cheering me on. But the goal was to finish the race. And I remember when I got to the last mile and a half, man, my knees started hurting so bad. And I'm like, and then... I'm seeing people are lined up all up and down Capitol Way, the street, and people are cheering and clapping and stuff. And I'm like, I'm going for the goal. There's something that's saying, come on, Steve, you can do this. And crossing that finish line, there's something about that that's pretty exciting. But having those along that cheer you and encourage you, that's what we need to be for each other in life. When we're going through it, when your knee's hurting spiritually or physically, come on, now we're here with each other. You can do this. We're going to do this together. I didn't finish about the Iron Hands project. I didn't even tell about it. It's cool. You're going to find out about it. I, I just, it has to do with veterans and, and meeting the needs of veterans who've been through a lot of stuff. But bringing them into working with metal, building relationship, bringing people together and having conversations and being able to start this. And I think it's going to go crazy because they've already had experience, gone out and set up some test pilot things and bid at some trade show type things. And it's gone crazy. They're so excited about it, the veterans. So pray for Marcus and, and pray for Lauren because the enemy's going to try to kill this thing. You know, he's at work trying, but nope. So put it on your prayer. Pray for Iron's Hand Project and for these men and for whatever God wants to do. And maybe he wants you to be a part of it too. Anyway, all right. We'll hear more about that later. Now, back to the word. But there, we can rejoice too. Here we go. When we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. These help us develop endurance. When we run into them, it's like, boom, there it is. So, you know, we're not asking for it, but it's there. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. Because there's something inside. We have a goal inside. There's something we're going after. That's pretty cool. And we're getting there. For we know how dearly God loves us. Man, I I couldn't feel any more than how much God loved me this morning during worship. I couldn't help but feel and sense his love for me. And he's trying to demonstrate that. Man, I love you. Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. What a difference from the enemy's plan. To fill our hearts with hatred and all the different things. And contentment, all that. But he comes to fill our hearts with love. I love it. Here's something to picture if you can picture anything. (laughs) Some people aren't visual. But picture God at his art desk or art table or easel. And he is painting your life portrait. Starting from the very moment you're conceived. And he's starting on this big masterpiece of art. Because he is the master painter. And we are his masterpiece. It says that. He starts painting away, and he's painting the moment you're conceived. And he's just smiling like, this is my image I'm creating. This is going to be really cool. Oh, man, this is so cool. And he's painting through. At the very end of the painting, 
he already jumped forward and he kind of, he's like, man, I get, he goes to the end and he's painting the end of the painting. And it's him spending eternity with us and, and us worshiping and us just having a great time and, and enjoying the presence of God. And he's got that all painted. He's got that all looking right there. And he's looking at the beginning. He's looking at the end. And so there's excitement. There's a joy on his face like, this is what's going to happen. And I can't wait. If we were God, we'd make it happen quicker. But we're not. He's patient because we need to be patient too. And so then he starts painting our life. The ups and downs, the trials, the hurts, the pains, the happy times, the laughter, the joy, the birth of kids, the marriage, all those things, the grandkids, and going through the doctor telling us we have this disease, or all these things, and he's painting through, and I'm sure through the whole time he's got emotion. You know, there are times he probably even has tears as he's painting through this, but the whole time he's not allowing all of that to affect his plan for us, because deep inside he knows, I already know what it's going to end like. And we can't see that picture for us usually because we can see what we're in right now. He sees the big picture. We'll never get to see what he sees because we really don't know what heaven's like. We really don't know eternity other than some cool things that we see in the scripture. But we really don't know because our minds are too small to even comprehend that. So he's not stressing a bit about what happens to us in between those moments of birth and the moment of eternity. He really isn't. We are. But we have to trust the artist as he's painting our life and knowing that there's no intention of him ever wanting anything negative to happen or hurt us in any way because his love is overpowering for us. Verse 5 in James chapter 1, go back to that quickly. If you need wisdom, (laughs) which we know we never do, (laughs) at least the know-it-alls don't, (laughs) ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. When you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Don't waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as the wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. We don't want that. And that can happen when we have no endurance. (laughs) We haven't been tested, and we don't allow ourselves to go through the test. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. We don't want to be unstable people. We want to be stable. We want to stay the course. We want to allow the winds to blow and stuff, but we're going to stay the course. And so when you see your brother or sister getting blown around by the wind a little bit, you come along and you grab onto their sails or you you do something and say, hey, let me help. How can I hold the sail? Because it's easy to stand back and judge and go, I don't know why that person is bothering them. Why are they going through all that? I would never do that. It would never happen to me. It's because you don't have a negative experience. You've never experienced that. So it's easy to sit back. I tell you, in my life, there's been so much wisdom gained as I watched, a little bit gained as I watch other people, but really gained as it happens to me. Your perspective changes, things change. Your love for people changes, your grace changes, the mercy. All of these things begin to transform and change. It doesn't change who Jesus is, who God is, and it doesn't change the word and and what the word is, but it's how we approach things. How do we approach things with people? Because we can do it in such a way that's loving, or we can do it in a critical way that's judgmental and not healthy. All right, jump to verse 13. And this is just the power of prayer, and I have to close with this because I just I can't get away from this. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. 
Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, I'm not, this is not suggesting that you run around telling everybody your sins in the church. That's not the idea of, of this. But if you have something that needs to be dealt with or something that you feel with somebody, whatever, you go take care of it. You, you, you become encouraged from that. The final part, and I love this, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. We must be praying. We must be seeking the face of the Lord because everything within a person that's going through a difficult, challenging place, depression, anxiety, fear, stress, whatever it is, I know already the, the, the first kind of inclination is to pull back away from the goodness of God because you feel guilt you feel like well God doesn't love me or as Caleb said God where are you even there but this is we feel shame this is when he says come run to me run to me this is the perfect time he said this is the time I do my best come on run to me so we're as we're praying the great he has great power and it will produce wonderful results we have to believe that we have to have faith to believe that is true Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to sing this song and just allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. If you want to come and be up at the front, hey, you're welcome to, or if you want, wherever you're at, but I I think it's cool being up here. I like the feel of it. (laughs) I'm sure it feels good everywhere in here. Just respond to the Holy Spirit this morning. Take the time just to focus on Him as we close the service this morning. Amen. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 